It's the name of Jesus that saves. It's the name of Jesus that heals. And it's the name of Jesus that frees us from the bondage that we might have. The bondage of sin, it might be demonic, it may not be, but the bondage of sin that we have, it's the name of Jesus that is the name that is beyond all other names. It's the name of Jesus that there are people in this earth, our government and governments in this world, that they want us to not use the name of Jesus. It's offensive to them, but it is life to me. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Today we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And I have to tell you, from the get-go of knowing that I was getting into this passage, and a passage of Scripture that... I've quoted many times, but now I'm teaching through it, and especially verses 5 through 11, it feels like I'm stepping onto holy ground here, and, and it's the humility that is displayed of Jesus Christ, his being exalted to the right hand of the Father that's being described to us. But Paul is also telling us that we should have this same type mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And so he's speaking to us as the church and how we should function, how we should operate as believers, how we should live our life. And in verses 5 through 11, we read, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant, And coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on the earth and of those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father at the name of Jesus. What a wonderful portion of Scripture. What a tremendous example that Paul gives us here. And, and I look at the example that he has given us and saying, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. And I think it is an impossibility to, for me to have the mind of Christ apart from the work of God in my life. I would never obtain to this or be able to obtain it. As I said earlier, I 
I feel like this portion of Scripture is as though we are stepping on to holy ground. This is talking about our Lord Jesus Christ, who being in the form of God, to have this mind of Christ, a mind where the Lord Jesus Christ described himself in Matthew eleven twenty nine as being gentle and lowly in heart. In Matthew twenty twenty eight, he said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. And this humility of Jesus, we see it throughout the Gospels. But I don't think there's any greater example of his humility that can be found than the testimony of his sacrifice on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. And as Paul just gives us a glimpse of this, he reminds us, first of all, that Christ was in the form of God, but he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. We know that in Genesis 1-1 that the opening of the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if that's all we had about the creation, we would think of a, a solo God out there, a solitary being that created the heavens and the earth. But when we drop down to verses 26 and 27 of Genesis 1, we also read that then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so the question there is, who was God talking to when he was creating this world? And, and we could ask, well, was he talking to the angels? And when we read through Scripture, we discover that the angels were also created beings from God. And so he wasn't talking to the angels because the angels were created beings of God. And, and the next we could ask, was he talking to the animals? With the animals, we find that with Adam, there was no helper comparable to him. Therefore, the animals are not in the image or likeness of God, nor man. They weren't sufficient to be a helpmate for Adam. And so the us and the are that's referred to there, I believe it's God, three in one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And I believe the method by which he created us in his image and in his likeness was that we are also a threefold being of spirit, soul, and body. But it's Jesus who is not only in the form of God, but is also equal with God. In John 1, 1 through 4, it reads, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And in verse 14 of John 1, it tells us, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's there in verse 14 that we discover that the word that's being referred to there is Jesus Christ himself. He was in the beginning with God, and the world was created through him and is sustained by him. And Jesus himself, praying in John 17, 5, cried out to the Father, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Before this world existed and was spoken into existence, Jesus Christ was with the Father and the Father with the Son. But he emptied himself. It tells us that he made himself of no reputation in verse 7. 
taking on the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men. To empty himself, that kanoo in the Greek, it's, it means to make empty, to divest oneself of position. That Jesus Christ didn't selfishly exploit his deity, but he laid it aside for us. He became a servant. He is preexistent Lord, but he himself, still God, set aside his deity and he changed his mode of being, we could say, and took on flesh to become a, a servant. It's doulos in the Greek. It speaks about being a, a slave. It means to bind. And so some has described this as a bond servant. And it has come to, uh, Vines described it as one who gives himself up to the will of another. And this is Jesus he gave himself up to the will of another. The other was his father. who came to do the will of his father. In 2 Corinthians 8, 9, it tells us, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty we might become rich. That Jesus, for our sake, he gave himself up to the will of his father. He set aside his deity. He came in flesh, made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a servant, coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance of man, verse 8, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. In Greek mythology, we often read about the gods coming and visit, and I don't. most of my Greek mythology, to be honest with you, is watching the old movies about Greek mythology. I, I tried to read uh, Homer and some of those things, and I, I have a hard time just following along uh, with, their, with their logic, I guess. But a lot of times we get this view of the gods coming to check out the condition of the earth, and, and they're coming to see what the condition of mankind is. Some come who are evil and do evil. Some come to do good as in mythology. But Jesus Christ himself, when he came to the earth, not in mythology, when Jesus Christ came as, an, as a man, he, he didn't come because he was wondering how things were going. He knew how his creation was doing, and he knew that his creation was in big trouble. And as of Adam and Eve falling in the garden, resulting in sin leading to death, and that sin and death that passed on from generation to generation because they disobeyed the word of the Lord there in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, where God said, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the day you eat of it, you will surely die. And we know in, in Genesis chapter 3 that they were tempted by Satan and took of the fruit and ate of it, and their eyes were open, and they knew good and evil at that point. They had the knowledge, but also... Not only sin and disobedience, but death became a living reality that they had never known before. And Jesus, he humbled himself. He set aside his deity. He came in the likeness of men, and he showed true obedience to his Father by dying upon the cross. Jesus came in the appearance of man to pay the debt that we could not pay. In Hebrews 5, 8, it tells us that though he was son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, verse 9, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. 
He was son, but he learned obedience. And there's this hierarchy, we could say, with the triunity and, and God the Father and God the Son. And Jesus submitting himself to the will of the Father. Part of that submission was death on the cross. But through that submission, he not only learned obedience through the things which he suffered, he has been perfected and has become the author of our eternal salvation for those who believe in Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ. And in verse 9, therefore God also has highly exalted him. It's Stephen, our first Christian martyr, when before they stoned him, and this was the straw that broke the camel's back, he was debating with the uh, Hellenistic Jews there, and, and he was succeeding. They could not get past the spirit by which he spoke, and it was the Holy Spirit that was speaking through him and using him there. And then at one point, when the crowd was getting riled up, he looked up and said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the hand of God. That's Acts seven fifty six. But it's Jesus who is made a little lower than the angels, according to Hebrews 2, 9. For the suffering of death, but he was crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. It's Jesus that tells us in Hebrews 12.2 that we're to look to Jesus who is the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross, he despised the shame but has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, he has been highly exalted by his Father. He has been crowned with glory and honor. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He has endured the cross. He despised the shame but he sits right now at the right hand of the Father. And at times he's seen standing, welcoming home his saints, as we read in the story of Stephen when he was stoned to death there in Acts chapter 7. In verse 9, continuing, given him the name which is above every name, Jesus, his name above all names, you know, we sing a song like that, Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior. I hate to go a cappella, so I'm just going to stop right there, even though I, I could continue to sing it. But it's Jesus, it's, realize it's a Greek translation of the Hebrew name, Joshua, which means Jehovah is salvation or Yahweh is salvation. That it's in the name of Jesus, and, and this is the thing that we're almost guilty of today by using the J word. You know, I hate it when other people use other words that start with other letters. It drives me crazy, and, and I, I can't stand to hear certain words that is just uh, unintelligible talk, and I think. But there are others who use such words or they don't use such words, but the word that drives them the most crazy is Jesus. They hate seeing it. Just uh, in the last few weeks at one of the high schools in our area, the cheerleaders were using scripture. If you kept up on that story. And so right now the judge has allowed them to continue to do that. And I heard one of the atheists saying, but they're on the field. That's not in the stands like uh, one of the people watching, holding up a sign, and, and basically she was saying, we don't have a problem with that, but they're on the field proselyting and promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ. The problem is it's Jesus. 
The problem is that they're using the word of God and they want this total disconnect. And what's amazing is that this is a public high school that they're battling in this arena. And, and so far, um, the name of Jesus is, is waning in this battle. But they're going to keep fighting. I've learned, I was from Zion where we used to have a seal over our city crest that the town that was in Illinois founded by a preacher that had a seal that had a dove on it and a a banner that said God reigns. And over time, the atheists wore that city down until now the city still, they say nothing about Christ. It's a shame. But they basically, over a 15-year period, just wore the city down until they couldn't afford to keep going in the courts and battling. It's the name of Jesus. We, we read in Acts 2.38 that it was the name of Jesus that Peter and John, when they went to the temple to pray, and said to that lame man there, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. On that first day when the 3,000 were saved, they said to be baptized in the name of Jesus. It's Acts 3, 6, where they said to the layman, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. When a crowd got saved as a result of that, and there was some contention with the religious rulers, and they told the story again to the religious rulers now in Acts 4, 10, they said, let it be known to you that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man stands here before you whole. It's the name of Jesus in Acts 4.18 that they commanded the apostles not to teach in the name of Jesus. And in Acts 5.40, again, they commanded them to not speak in the name of Jesus. They didn't even hear the name. And we learned a few weeks ago in Acts 16.18 that when the gal who was possessed by a demon and that fortune teller in Philippi that Peter turned to her and said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And that demon came out of her. It's the name of Jesus that saves. It's the name of Jesus that heals. And it's the name of Jesus that frees us from the bondage that we might have. The bondage of sin, it might be demonic, it may not be, but the bondage of sin that we have, it's the name of Jesus that is the name that is beyond all other names. It's the name of Jesus that there are people in this earth, our government and governments in this world, that they want us to not use the name of Jesus. It's offensive to them, but it is life to me. It tells us that at the name of Jesus, verse 10 and 11, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Right now, there are people out there that they don't want to hear the name of Jesus. There's words that I, as I said earlier, I don't like to hear. But it's not Jesus. But there are others that they simply do not like to hear the name of Jesus. I like the fact that I was a guy who never had bumper stickers or never wore any kind of clothing that had markings on them. I didn't wear the Christian t-shirts, but eventually I began wearing these things because of a word that I hate. A friend of mine was at work once wearing a shirt that had something to do with that word, 
took me about a half a day to figure out the t-shirt. I went home that day from work and stopped at the Christian bookstore, bought my first Christian t-shirt. Perhaps you remember that his pain is your gain. Jesus doing a bench press with the cross on his back and I was a construction worker, so I took my brand new t-shirt and I ripped the sleeves off and opened up the collar and went back to work the next day. And the guy that I bought the t-shirt, the purpose of buying the t-shirt, it's like, oh, that's a cool shirt. I bought it because I hate the shirt that you had on yesterday. I didn't tell him that, but I did later. We did talk about that shirt, and he goes, yeah, my mom threw it away. He wasn't, even, he wasn't even living at home anymore, and his mom got a hold of that shirt and threw it away. But now on the back of my truck, Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And, and one of the big atheists in our area came up behind me one day on Route 60, honking his horn. His license plate even says atheist on it. And he got right in front of me, and, and I'm sure that was offensive to him. I mean, he drove close to me, he got in front of me, he slowed down, and, you know, it's the name of Jesus. You promote your nothingness, and I'll promote Christ. Continue on with it. One day, all the world will confess this glorious name of Jesus. Those in heaven, those on the earth, and those under the earth, basically all angels, all mankind, all demonic beings, will bow and confess. And there are those who confess willingly today. The angels would qualify in that. In us as believers today, we willingly confess the name of Jesus. But when he says all will confess or all should bow and, and all should confess, he's referring to those right now who will not willingly do so, but one day they will be forced into it. It will be at the great white throne judgment of God where they will have to acknowledge the name of Jesus. They will bow a knee, they will confess, but at that point it will be too late to bring about their eternal salvation. It's only now that we have that opportunity to confess and call upon the name of Jesus and be saved. In Isaiah 45, verses 23 through 25 Isaiah writes to us, and God speaking, I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and will not return, that to me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall take an oath. He shall say, surely in the Lord I have righteousness and strength. To him men shall come, and all shall be ashamed who are incest against him. In the Lord, all the descendants of Israel shall be justified and glorified. And may I expand upon that and say, in the Lord, in the name of Jesus, all who believe on the name of Jesus shall be justified and shall be glorified. It's the name of Jesus that brings our salvation. And, and it's only those who now accept Jesus Christ willingly, seek forgiveness, and by doing so, they find everlasting life. As Paul wrote to us and. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10 and verse 14. Very familiar passage to us that if we confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this passage of Scripture, wonderful, that he begins by encouraging us that we should be of one accord and one mind, of one spirit, to have this unity. But then he takes it further, not to just say as a church, be unified. 
He said, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. That we would look at the example that the Lord Jesus Christ has left us. And if we were to have this mind of Christ, we would not think more highly of ourselves than we ought. We would make ourselves of no reputation. We would be willing to take on the form of a slave. Only then could our lives depict true humility and obedience to God no matter what the cost. This was the mind of our Savior Jesus when he gave his life for our sins upon the cross. Father, I thank you so much for your word today. And Father, as we stand here today, perhaps we haven't had the unity as we should as a fellowship. Perhaps the issue, Lord, is not how we're living our lives as believers, but the fact that we're not a believer at all and that we have never accepted you as Savior And Lord, I pray that you would prick our hearts and that we would be attentive to your needs, that your spirit would move in our lives and that we would uh, just respond to the gospel that has been presented to us today. As you direct by your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.